Welcome to Leo Rising, a living tarot and creative intuition podcast. Here we'll have a conversational exploration of tarot, personal and spiritual growth, and identity formation. It's less of a how-to and more of a come along on the journey with me. I'll process stories from my life, both from the past and from the current moments that I'm moving through, to give listeners things to think about in their own journey. I'll also be introducing you to wonderful humans who are exploring these topics in their lives, either personally, professionally, or both. So my name is Jenna Fox, and I'm an educator, writer, tarot reader, Reiki master, and queer mystical mama. What I'm not is an expert. So if you're a seeker, if you've got a curious mind or are interested in esoteric topics, then this is the podcast for you. And I'm so excited to have you on the journey. Let's get started, shall we? Today on the podcast, I had the pleasure of talking with one of my really good friends, Jubilee. She is a licensed mental health counselor. She's an astrologer. She's a tarot reader and just an all-around amazing person that I've been so fortunate to connect with through this Instagram uh, tarot community. So I really hope that you love this um, interview because Jubilee is actually somebody that I'm going to bring back on to do what I'm dubbing Jubilee Jams. So there's going to be several more episodes kind of towards the end of um, this season where she and I do some more deep dive conversations about topics that are close to our hearts. So definitely this is an intro and you'll be hearing more from Jubilee later in the season. So I just hope that you guys um, really enjoy this and follow her on Instagram at mini myth astrology. Okay, welcome to Leo Rising Jubilee of Mini Myth Astrology. Hello. I always start with kind of just saying, here's your platform to tell me, tell the listeners who you are and where you are in the world and part of your story, how you got here. Okay. Um, I am a mental health counselor. I went to grad school for mental health counseling and I've been working in that field for about five years. And I love it dearly, but it's something that I only do part-time, really, because I can do it part-time well and in the way and with the level of connectivity that I want to do it. And then I am also an astrologer, but that's really new to me, too. I was more surprised than anybody because I actually really loathed astrology because every horoscope about Capricorns didn't fit for me. and made me rebellious and so when I discovered that I was deeply in love with astrology I was definitely a little confused (laughs) but I I made peace with it mostly. I know just the other day I uh, passed around a meme about somebody on a subway like totally trash talking astrology and that then somebody else was like Capricorn Gemini sun or something or Gemini rising or whatever and I know I sent it to you kind of like uh-huh, right? and there you are Capricorn, you hated it and now you love it hated it and it's interesting because it came into my life pretty much the day that my that Saturn hit my natal Saturn so like the most distinct moment in your Saturn return astrology and tarot came in on that day 
and definitely been part of my journey of growing up to make space for the invisible and the unexplained and the things that my body and mind can't necessarily prove to me but that I can sense and care about anyway. So I've had a lot of guests on the show who've talked about how their sort of their spiritual awakening, how they've gotten into herbalism or astrology or tarot has kind of come around their Saturn return. But for people who don't really know what that is, maybe they're mm-hmm. Capricorns themselves and they're just like astrologies full of garbage. Could you... <laughs> Could you explain like its importance or why people keep talking about like, well, my Saturn return happened and like my whole life changed? So in everybody, at the moment of everybody's birth, Saturn was somewhere in the sky. And then it takes about 29 years to come back to that point. And I kind of think of where a planet is in your chart as that was your first teacher about this value in this space in life. Because a chart is a mixture of, of areas of life and focus and a particular approach to that. So the signs kind of approach all these areas differently. So if you mix that and you also put the planet's lessons, because the planet's like big picture teachers. And so for me, Saturn is in my third house in Capricorn. And so the third house is about communication and Capricorn is about intention and purpose. And so my very first lesson about communication and purpose was Saturn. Saturn gave that to me, right? And then it he like went around the sky to all the other rooms, taught lessons, but this is his home place for me. This is the first lesson, the first relationship to this concept and idea and this part of being human. And so he comes back and he's like, okay, did you, did you learn that lesson? Are you living that lesson? Did you build a structure in your life that actually is aligned and makes space for this lesson? Or did you build a structure that felt secure, but isn't like authentically you? Mm-hmm. Or did you build a structure that doesn't actually make space for you to fulfill your purpose in life? Did you pick the wrong mountain? Because Capricorn wants to climb mountains. And a lot of people experience Saturn returns as expansive and unsettling because a lot of times we didn't necessarily learn that lesson immediately. You know, we're now older and we have our generally our full frontal lobes to make sense of the world and we have more wisdom and experience. And so we, we can learn, learn the depths of that lesson. We'll keep learning it as Saturn makes his way around, but that's my sense of it really. And Saturn is considered the growth principle of like, you must learn this. This is the lesson in life that you must learn. Not just that you want to, but that it is a trajectory that's essential for you. It's like where you came to the planet to kind of learn. Yeah. And it's not necessarily somewhere you want to go, right? I kind of drag my heels looking at some of the mountains that I know I might be needed to climb in this world in order to be my wholest and most resourceful and giving self. But they look like hard mountains. They're not like covered in wildflowers and nicely already cut trails. They're like right. steep and 
there's no tram. It's not like the Swiss Alps where you're like, let me just get on this little tram and just like do, 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 up to the top, right? You're like, oh, I'm actually having to hike this shit. I don't like it. Explicit warning on this episode, everybody. That's what happens when you're hanging out with friends. Yeah. So does that make sense? It does. It does. And it's, I think it's really helpful to kind of hear. And then it started at the, the, the moment of birth and then around the 29 year mark. And then that just keeps happening again. I assume that people kind of live through two, at least Saturn returns, maybe mm-hmm. probably not more. Mm-hmm. How old would you be like? I'm not good at math. 90 something. <laughs> when you had the second one? Uh, no, probably the second one would be 60, right? But the third yeah. one would be like, old around yeah <laughs> like uh 87 okay so i know that we have this like mental health connection and then we're into astrology and tarot and this kind of this other side of of life and i'm just curious going back to how did you end up deciding that like mental health or counseling was something that you wanted to pursue because it sounds like that came before astrology Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I finished high school, I felt really rudderless and didn't know what I wanted to do. But as I was writing the essays for scholarships, because I was like, why not go to college? I And it's interesting. I think I generally, I have so many planets in the third house, and I think I generally process and make sense of the important things via writing. And so those forced me to sit down and realized that the thing that I really wanted to do was address the relationship to self and body. Because I grew up in a plus size fat body and I'm shaped exactly like my mother. And so our interrelationship had so much to do about our bodies. And I was dieting with her when I was like 13. And I initially went to college and was like, okay, I'm going to learn nutrition so that I can support people in having a healthy relationship to their body. And then I found psychology and my psychology 101 professor was just delightful. And I was really happy in that space. Whereas I went into chemistry 101 and they essentially told me I didn't belong there unless I already knew chemistry. And I had to take a lot of chemistry to be a nutritionist. And so I was like, hmm, I really love that. And I really am not welcomed here. Okay. So I went to an advisor and switched psychology to my major, I think in my second semester. And then she suggested, she was like, oh, and you can go on and be a counselor. And I was like, oh, okay. That sounds like a trajectory. I appreciate any help I can get here because I feel really like out in the ocean. So I I got my bachelor's and I got it off season. So all of the applications for grad school came up as I was graduating. And so I knew I loved Oregon because my mom came home with pictures of waterfalls when I was about 12. And I was like, wait, they have an excess of water at the falls? Okay, as a side note, I grew up in New Mexico. That makes more sense if you knew I grew up in a desert and why yes, waterfalls yes. <laughs> <laughs> would require a picture evidence. But um You're like the land the mythical land where water falls from rocks? What? And I saw no other pictures of Oregon. <laughs> I got here and I was like, nobody told me there were this many trees and mountains. But because I'd never seen Oregon before I moved here. I only applied to one grad school 
and I applied to Southern Oregon University in Ashland because I fell in love with a tree that they had a picture of in the park. And I fell in love with the idea of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And I was actually okay if I didn't get into grad school, but they accepted me. So I packed my whole life into a tiny Honda Fit and I went through states I'd never seen before and landed in Southern Oregon and I'm still here so far. It's an amazing story. And I love that like at the time you didn't know you were going to be an astrologer based on the fact that like you went to a school because of a tree in a picture <laughs> or in a park. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're like, really have caught my nature. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I love that. And so I guess I'm curious now, how, how do, does astrology, and I know you also do tarot and are, I'm sure are into like other things in that nature. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, so you have your mental health stuff that you're doing part-time and then you're doing astrology that you kind of fell into. Mm-hmm. Do those blend together? Do you bring this type of stuff into sessions? Only when there's already an openness. If somebody is already making sense of the world through, through, through these kind of outlets already, and I ask permission before I look at anybody's chart or talk about things uh, from the aspect of tarot or astrology. And it's really cool when it's a good fit for people because we're able to begin with a shared language because they can study it themselves and they already have pieces of it rather than a lot of the time I'm offering an interpretation of the world and seeing if it fits and giving people words to describe and reframe things. But with astrology, people are have so much more agency to have already done some self-examination and do that translation for themselves, which is why I love astrology. It's just, it's a a self-propelled meaning-making engine that doesn't really require anybody else. And so when I can do astrology in session, I can, we can like normalize things like people are struggling in a relationship and I'm like, well, you have strong Libra you know, right relationship is really important. It makes sense that you're struggling with this. And there's just this sigh of like, oh yeah, that is part of me. And it's a part of me I already love and value. And okay, like we can work with my Libra. Whereas if you're like, that's your attachment stuff, of course, then it's like layered with the judgment of not having secure attachment or your mother comes into the room all of a sudden. But if it's just your Libra, then it's like, okay, like we can do that. Yeah, it feels it feels in some ways for me because I know that, or maybe like our listeners don't know that um, I've come to you to have my natal chart and my kids' natal charts read together. And what was really cool was to kind of just see it out there on a piece of paper and then be able to like dissect and talk about it. It's one of the reasons I like tarot too. Is it it does feel a little less like I have to bring all of my family members into a session and be like, there's my mom in the corner and I don't want to talk about her right now. It's like, okay, we're talking about Saturn right now and its influence or the houses, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I really, I really like that. That sounds like a really great, you know, thing f- that you can offer clients yeah. in a counseling session. Mm-hmm. Just the power of bringing ritual back into mental health is so helpful because I've gone to grief training 
And you know, they're like, you can't do much with grief because it's not something to be fixed. It's something to be felt and lived through. And you can also do a lot with ritual to just honor each step of that process without trying to fix it. And so being able to name the need for ritual in general and to offer possibilities really helps people be in relationship to their grief instead of like, well, I guess I have to sit here and feel this until it's done being felt, which is its own beautiful skill too. But being able to name ritual for like releasing or expansion or in particular grief, yeah, is that has been a real gift of just attending to the world in, in this more magical way. So I'm so curious how you went from hating astrology to loving it. I mean, I know you say your Saturn return, but like, mm -hmm. how did, how did you make that like transition? You know, like, it's like, what brought you across the threshold into like even exploring it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, I was actually thinking about That's this. That's why I have a podcast, Jubilee. Because you're good at questions. <laughs> <laughs> really? I really told somebody like once the power to be like asking the question. <laughs> no, somebody once was like, "Wow, you ask good questions." I was like, "That's my eighty-eight thousand dollars student loan right there for mental health counseling that I'm using to do a free podcast." My friends, there you go. <laughs> you know, people are like, "You're good at listening," and I'm like, "I better be." <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I went into the wrong profession. Sheesh. Otherwise, we're in trouble, guys. Um, yeah. So I actually think. Tarot was the gateway into astrology because um, for my little sister's birthday, I bought her a tarot deck, but I had it sent to me in this nefarious plan to make her come to me to get it. And then she had me open it and then she had me pull cards from it. And then we like, it bonded immediately and spoke to me immediately. And I very much did not anticipate that. Like I expected to lovingly support her on her witchy way and then I all of a sudden had a tarot deck that was talking to me and I was not prepared for it. I have a Gemini moon so I can tend to want to like use my mind to resolve everything and then there were these cards that were you know. What deck was it? Oh it's the um Prisma Visions. Okay. It's this beautiful impressionistic deck and I still love it. It made me put it away until the end of the year. I'm the end time out. January 1st. It's coming out of like, it's been lovingly wrapped with lavender and stones. And then I get to open it back up and see how things are different. Because since then I've been working with the Myth Right Await just because I was taking Lindsay's tarot course and mm -hmm. that's what she was working with. And I, it really translates very clearly, symbolically, this Myth Right Await to me. It's like, really precise and succinct whereas the prism of visions is so flowing and so interconnected that it it takes a bit more sitting with it to unravel meaning because meaning isn't spelled out quite mm -hmm. as clearly mm -hmm. yeah uh, anyway so i i get this tarot deck and then i just need to learn everything about tarot and so I look for podcasts because at the time I was baking and I had like seven hours at night totally by myself and I had a lot of time for podcasts. So I was, I listened through all of Rootlock Tarot, which is an amazing podcast for like basics. And then I found Lindsay's Wild Soul. And at that point I was still so like not open <laughs> that I like listened to Lindsay the first time and I was like, oh, she's talking about the moon and like 
all this astrology stuff and I don't know if I can go to that level like this is not concrete enough for me and but I kept listening and would listen to like her monthly medicine and began to notice how much it showed up in every day she would say this is the theme of the month and it would be the theme of that whole month despite me wanting it (laughs) to not be and she had Heidi Rose Robbins on and Heidi is both a poet and an astrologer. And so she spoke my language because poetry has always managed to get past my, my need for concrete and into like the inner, the inner knowing. And so Heidi blended those two. And I was like, oh, okay. Like both I want to know what this is because everybody around me is talking about it. And I think I might have somebody who can translate for me. Mm-hmm. And and she takes it to such a deeper level because a lot of times when I encounter astrology in the culture, it's very formulaic and it often is really judgmental. Like most people are like, oh, you know, those Capricorns mm-hmm. or they use it to categorize people instead of elucidate the complexity of people. And it's kind of like any of these, I talk with my students about this because, you know, we do Myers-Briggs and we do personnel, like procrastination styles and we do our Holland codes. We do all these things and it's like, this isn't a tool to, to wield against other people and like poke people with your INFJ-ness or whatever. It's like, you know, like you don't need to stab people with your Enneagram type. Like you get to just be that and explore it. I don't need to be like all Capricorns, although sometimes I am all Capricorns, right? No, some of most of my best friends are actually Capricorns, you know, I got to ground my Sagittarius fireball chart. (laughs) You guys, I learned that I have, I have eight things in Sagittarius. Thanks to Jubilee. I now know this. I thought I had like five and then I thought that was a lot. We had to add your asteroids yeah, so so like the, the the popular culture was just not it was too formulaic and it was too like way to separate people and you were looking for something that was more connective or layered or nuanced or deeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to learn all of it from scratch. Like to this day, I have yet to let anybody else really read my tarot. Like I've gotten a reading from Jordan with sincerely the tarot. But I've never sat down with my questions and somebody else because my relationship to questioning is so complex that the act of handing it to somebody else, like I wouldn't even know what to hand to somebody else because my first questions with the tarot were like, what is my relationship to insecurity? (laughs) And you know, I'd get these spreads that kick my ass and be like, oh, tarot, tarot's mean to me. And I'm like, Paul, you're asking you're asking kind of impossible and huge questions and really useful ones, but sitting down with somebody else, like it ends up feeling so personal to me. And with astrology, until I knew all the pieces, I don't think getting a reading for somebody else would, it may make sense, but I wouldn't be able to make meaning of it. And I differentiate those two because like the definition of making sense is that something's justifiable, like, and then the set, the definition of making meaning is that you put two things together to like create something. And so I need all the pieces for the way my brain works. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you know, dive deep into your own study before you can kind of hear it maybe from the outside. Yeah. And I'm actually, I think at the point that I was, I should get 
Jenna to read my tarot because she will sass me just as much as tarot does. It'll be great. <laughs> Sometimes my readings are pretty sassy and I'm like, good thing I put that on my disclosure. That it do might, you? I do. So I say that it's like, I'm that, sassy. <laughs> well, I say heart and sass, mm -hmm. which it should not be, you know, uh, confused with ass because I don't have one of those. Uh, <laughs> mid, it's a Midwestern back, you know. <laughs> Just flat as the prairie. <laughs> I'm serious. It's beautiful. It's lovely. It did not. But yeah, so some of the stuff that comes out is like pretty sassy. And I'm like, okay, gotta, gotta make sure that it's like the right clients are coming to me because I do, I'm able to hold space for a lot of like what you're talking about, really like grief and depth. But it's, I don't always say things in the most kind way. Mm, yeah, I think you're more straightforward than you're yes. like circuitously wrapping yourself around what needs to be said you're like this this needs to be said and I appreciate that because yeah then I don't have to guess at what's not being said right you're not gonna not know okay so you started on self-study of mm -hmm. astrology and tarot at the same time mm-hmm what sources I mean besides you 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 listed a couple of different podcasts like I'm thinking about, I've talked to some people uh, around astrology, either here or kind of offline, you know, on Instagram, and the questions around like, what houses do you use? Because I listen to um, Jessica Lignato's Ghost of a Podcast, and she uses like Campanata's house system, and then Chani Nicholas uses whole house system, and I'm just curious how you like went about deciding what to study or how to study it. Cause it seems like when I look at it and maybe this is just my Sagittarius, like ADHD brain is I look at it and I get like completely overwhelmed and I'm like, here, I need somebody else to interpret it for me before I can even know where to start. Yeah. I had a large crisis about that actually when we went up for our tarot meetup in Seattle, I drove from Southern Oregon to see and meet you all. But, um, and I, was traveling in the car and one of the people mentioned whole house systems and I really hadn't sat down to question why one chooses the house systems that they do and I know that Heidi is my primary source and she uses Placidus because it's her um like ancestral form of house system like her father taught her and so it's her it's kind of historical for her and so I looked at the whole house system and because I have a lot of things that are close to the cusp of being in other houses, it completely shifts my, so many of my planets and what house they are in. And it makes a lot of sense on certain levels. And for me, it was actually a lot more easeful the whole house system where things landed, I was like, oh yeah, I'm already taking care of that and I'm good. And like that, if like cancer is there, then I'm actually set. And, um, and that's actually what brought me back to Placidus is that where things land still makes sense, but it makes sense in the fact that I have to, I have to have a relationship to it in order to reconcile the differences. Mm inside myself and that's my experience of being me is that I'm I don't have core values I have core confluences you know the place where my values meet and twirl around each other and 
don't solidify into one value. And I, in grad school, they tried talking about Myers-Briggs, they tried to put us into half of the room being introverts and half of the room being extroverts and made people sort themselves. And I stood in the middle of the room and I was like, no, I'm both. Like, I am both. And they really tried to like, my professor was like, come on, stop being contrary. I'm like, no, I'm being me. And I went and took the Myers-Briggs and I was 1% towards introvert, I think. And so that's my experience of being human is this reconciliation of challenging things rather than it's like this very easeful thing. And so for me, Placidus fit better because it gave me, gave me a relationship to grow into, a self to continue evolving into. And the whole house system set it up that like, oh, I was already, I'd already resolved everything if it happened to land where the whole house system was. So it was a deeply personal thing rather than a um, cognitive thing. And I think that they can all be of use because really it's a mirror. You know, every mirror in your house is slightly different. And the one that feels like it matches closest to your, your perception or the perception that you want to keep moving towards the perception that inspires you, like that's the reflection to pick because all your friends are going to reflect differently to you. So the different house systems are going to reflect differently to you. And none of this is like deterministic. It's all just potential and ways that you can embody that potential and grow with it as you get older. So I really, I really love that. And it actually feels super freeing to me to hear your description of that. Um, Not only like, as you were describing, like when you saw Placidus versus Whole House for yourself, and you just like, it must have been so validating to see your chart reflect your own complexity, and then be like, and here is how, yeah, this is maybe an easier route a less growthful route, but this is, this is what I need to see. This is what I really need to see in order to feel the most home in this way of exploring yourself. And I think for people listening, it can be just another way of validating, like go with what you want to do and then also be open to looking at others too. Cause there isn't a wrong way to do it. I like looking at a lot of them and seeing like where the differences are. Mm-hmm. But then I also just like listening to other people tell me about myself. So whatever they're going to like, whatever system they want to use, <laughs> I'm really just that self-centered. I'm like, I don't really have a preference. Just tell me cool things about myself. Like that I have eight, eight things in Sagittarius. Okay. So asteroids, you, when you did a reading for me, you included other amazing planetary bodies that I mean, I think I had heard of some of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, my question is twofold. A, why aren't they talked about more? And mm-hmm. B, could you could you tell people about some of those? Or is that putting you on the spot too much? No, 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 that's okay. And I mean, obviously, I'm forever a student, and that's why I love this. So, but a very good. I don't student. think anybody's the definitive definitive answers to this. So, if you want to add to this or do your own research that's brilliant too because I think they deserve attention um but so there is a series of bodies of varying sizes that have been more recently introduced into astrology as are 
technology gets stronger and we're better able to differentiate objects in the sky and how they're dancing with each other. And one of the interesting things is, is that of our major planets, only one of them is named after a feminine deity. And so that's Venus. And then all of the asteroids and planetoids more recently have been found and that I was adding to Jenna's chart are the other aspects of the pantheon. And I don't want to continue to perpetuate the languaging of like binary gender in astrology. As much as I think what's really important about this is that we are inviting in this other half of mythology, like this other half that cultures have included in all of their storytelling, these aspects of being human. And we kind of arbitrarily sorted them into masculine and feminine, but half of it has not really been, it's only been represented by one planet and Venus is really cool and very important but um, the asteroids and planetoids that I was adding to your chart are Eris who's outside of Pluto's orbit and just nearly as big so really interesting and slow moving and the other half of warriorship the yeah the balancing point in warriorship is Eris and then you also have Juno and Vesta and I'm missing somebody oh Pallas uh Pallas Athena and so when you add those back in you figure out some really important pieces like Pallas is referencing how your mind intrinsically works and Vesta is talking about the hearth at the center of, of your being. And uh, Juno talks about commitment and, oh, and Cirrus. Cirrus talks about nurturing and these pieces that we really need for, to complete the picture if we're talking about human nature, you know, if these planetoids are supposed to be our projections or our mirrors about what it means to be human, we we really could use some some hearth and some some nurturing and yeah some complex the complexity of what it means to commit and so those are the pieces that we added back in for you did i answer both questions a and b yeah i mean i feel complete about that i think it was really it's really beautiful to think about mm -hmm. that like adding in to the mythology, the other half, or the other three quarters, or the other quarter, whatever that has been missing. Like, it has been such an incomplete, an incomplete picture. And I think, I think then on like a bigger level, adding back in astrology and tarot and other, some of these practices into the culture is kind of like that idea of adding those particular planetoids and asteroids back into astrology, right? It kind of like all of these different layers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things that I love about astrology in general is it gives back the agency to create meaning. Uh, there are a lot of systems for making meaning we find in like religion or even science. And a lot of times they are already complete, right? They're a complete picture of 
what meaning is and how to negotiate and what's right behavior and what your ultimate goal is in being human and what's good and what's bad or what you're supposed to be working towards, whether it's enlightenment or heaven. And in mythology, we, we get examples of how to be, we get like lessons and then we get to interpret. And in astrology, we get to see the map and then figure out how to relate to those things, right? So your Mars doesn't, doesn't inherently mean you value war. Everybody has Mars. It's how do you relate to vitality and how do you choose what you're willing to fight for in the world and how you're going to go about that fighting and what's fair fighting and what's honorable. Um, you get to decide right? Mm -hmm. Mars isn't telling you this is how to be honorable. It's saying, hey, pay attention here and find something worth standing up for and find something worth engaging with aliveness for. So that gives the power back to the individual to find that in their lives. And I think that's part of why it's so beautiful to me because it feels like it gets to grow with me. And the planets don't stop moving, right? It's, mm -hmm. It can't be static because they just keep on moving and changing their relationship to each other and you. I know that's what I love and am overwhelmed by because <laughs> it's just, it, it just is like, okay, I think I'm now getting a tiniest bit of the grasp over the moment I was born. And now it's like, okay, 36 years later and planets are moving and making sense of things that have happened in my past and, you know, or, or with my children or other stuff where it's just like, <sighs> I'm never going to know it all. And this is just a struggle for me in, in like the best way ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally get that. That the, that the non-static nature of it is part of what might run people away from it because it's not necessarily a super secure comfortable place to live because it involves staying present for how it's changing and how you're changing it's kind of like I just I don't know if I'm hungry or what but it makes <laughs> me think about like how you can order a pizza or you can learn to eat seasonally oh, right? yeah. and the different the different things that show up and grow and and then with those different seasonal offerings like all of the different recipes that you can make or different people would gravitate towards but sometimes it can just be easier to call it pizza hut and i'm not sponsored by them but if they want to sponsor me i would be totally down with that i'm not sure they're into astrology and tarot but i do love a good pizza you know um, i'm yeah. serious the other day i was having a conversation about what snacks would different astrology signs bring to a dinner party Mm. And I was like, pretty sure I'd bring like Cheetos and like pizza rolls. Like I'm like a 15 year old mm, I love after that. school special. <laughs> so many things. In my right. house. Okay. So we've talked about a lot of stuff and we are coming up on the hour mark mm. shortly. And so I'm just, you know, I want to throw it back to you around if there was anything that you came into this, you know, conversation wanting to talk about or feeling like we just touched on, but we didn't go far enough that you were just like, oh yeah, I have this thing that I really want to want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that feels incomplete? That was a much better way of saying it. 
<laughs> well, I would love to hear, having had your chart read from my perspective, how is that unfolding for you? It's amazing. So one of the things that was really great about the reading is visually seeing how I relate to both of my kids. Um, the chart that I have with my oldest is really pretty complex. Lots of different points of things where things are crossing or in similar places or opposing places. And it, so to see that, even though I really feel like I understand my kid, um, you were help, you helped validate like, I just keep thinking about how you said that my, my oldest really feels validated by being a talked to mm -hmm. and, and just having that like talking connection. Cause he's got a lot of Scorpio and, you know, so like last night we were laying in bed and I was scrolling on, you know, Pinterest and, and then Instagram and then Facebook, right. I went through all the things that she was talking to me and I was just like, put your phone down, put your phone down. And I, and I did, and I was just listening to some of the, you know, insecurities and things that he was really kind of wrestling with emotionally. And it was really, really beautiful to kind of, but hard for me mm -hmm. to sit there in the, just kind of the angst that he was going through, or just kind of the emotional experience he was going through. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I feel like it's something that I'm going to keep revisiting and going back through. I like took notes in the actual meetings. <laughs> And then I went back through and I like wrote the notes again. I was like, okay, revisiting how I did it in college. But then with my youngest, it was really cool to see that there was just so, there was a lot of ease in our charts, even though I interpret that. I think that I am used to the complexity. And so I, sometimes I think I make a, a big deal out of nothing. Like I'm looking for like an argument or a conflict. And my youngest is just like, I want snacks, mom. And it's, it's not, I mean, it's, it's complex in a different way because it just forces me to kind of just be with him in that moment mm -hmm. and see how he is really, he really is in like that um, inner place in my heart. Cause he's such a sweet and sensitive little kid. So I've noticed as I'm like interacting with them in this past week that I'm thinking about things differently. I, like it gave me some like things to try, you know, some actual like concrete stuff to do so it was great yeah so glad I've been curious yeah see how that having that uh lens would change kind of interactions because it it is very interesting that for both sets of those charts it really looked like with the youngest it is harder to see his sensitivity mm -hmm. and then with the older one it's harder to see just how how fierce silly is capable mm -hmm. of being. So mm -hmm. not forgetting those, their, their dualities it was very cool to get to see and talk yeah, about. Yeah, one of the things you said about my oldest, that he's out in the world, very balanced and kind of caring and nurturing and fair. And then at home, he can have that like little emperor um, energy. And it was, it was great because it, it kind of externalized it a little bit this week. In, his, in seeing sort of his um, demanding behavior differently. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I was just going to like let him get away with stuff, but I was able to kind of not be so 
defensive or like upset or frustrated. I was able to kind of think like, oh, okay. And then he actually kind of made some changes too. Like he would, he said to me, he was like, is something about being bossy or um, you're the sweetest mama ever. And I should, I should not talk to you like that or something. And I was just like, what, what is this? Like, just because I'm kind of not reacting, then it's putting out like a different energy. And then he's coming with a different energy or he was like, I I'm seven. I can, I can open my own food or I don't need you to serve me or something, something like that. And I was like, Holy cow, this is amazing. Jubilee is a magician. Yeah. That is so cool. Well, there's, uh, I think it's Carl Rogers. He's one of the founders of, um, counseling. And he was saying that the paradox is that people change when they're fully accepted for who they are. And it's really cool to see that. It just, it makes room for people to make room for themselves when who they are is already okay. Yeah. Decide who they want to be. But if they have to fight for who they are already, then they never have the energy or time to ask the question, who do I want to be? Mm -hmm. So that's really beautiful. Okay, so where is creative intuition showing up in your life this week? Oh my goodness, creative intuition. I love that you put those two things together. I really feel like the thing that I want to do most in life is just to be in conversation with creativity. And this week, I'm trying to remember this week. It's been a long time. <laughs> oh my gosh, this week has been really interesting because I've touched on a lot of my core kind of abandonment lens that I relate to a lot of conversation from and really just bawled my eyes out the night before last. And the intuition, the, the creative intuition element of this that normally I would try to understand it mm-hmm. and I would try to come up with a plan to address it and take care of it and claim it and own it and be responsible for it. And, and my partner and I started getting into that normal rhythm because that's normally what support feels like for me. And I was like, no, it's just sad. It's just sad. And it gets to be sad because it's been holding sad for so long and it doesn't need to be fixed and it doesn't need to be solved. It just really needs to be sad and I could hold those two things simultaneously and that was the intuition piece it was just no and today I got the hangman and an elephant mixed and so I pulled from I pulled from the Smith Rider weight and the animal spirits the wild unknown uh-huh. and um and got elephant which is just my favorite favorite thing to get and the elephant in this deck is holding just this little flame in its trunk and the whole intention behind the card is trust and hangman is like stay stay and trust and so for me creative intuition is pausing so creativity and intuition have a space to do what they're already doing underneath and that I don't have to cognitively chart where that is going Mm -hmm. No spreadsheets attached. <laughs> no detailed to-do lists. Or <laughs> I'm not going to gonna talk about how much I love Google Doc. That's not what this is about. <laughs> That's why I love Capricorn so much. And I know I'm stereotyping, but I got to say, you're just, I collect you all. I just need 
more spreadsheets and Google Docs in my You're life. Like, I'm building a tent of spreadsheets. Who's got the spreadsheets? <laughs> right? It's like my zombie apocalypse team. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to be well-funded and well-resourced. <laughs> and we'll have the tenacity to keep running and not give up because... Yes. Yes. What do we have to carry me? You're going to have to carry me. A flaming goat fish. Oh, flaming goat fish. Oh, that's so good. Yes, we will it's survive the zombie apocalypse. Is it? That's going to be my next podcast name, Flaming Goat Fish. <laughs> when when this know. dies and I reborn as something else. And I'm much more of an underwater sea goat. We will have all terrains covered. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, how can people get a hold of you? Right now, I'm writing poetry about the planets that's informed by the actual like physiology of the planets on mini.myth.astrology on Instagram. And that is my current conversation with creativity mixed with my love of the stars. So I love it so much. They interest you. Yes. Well, they interest me. I'm so and glad. I love them. And I consider you an authority on astrology. <laughs> and people should just like blow up your DMs. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> you would blow up my DMs. You would come in like a bomb. <laughs> I would. I would. Yeah, um, you can you can come into my DMs whatever element you are like. You can you can climb into them, you can flow into them, you can slide into them. Away. You don't have to blow them up. That <laughs> Jenna's got that. <laughs> oh, this has been so much fun. Hey friends, thanks for listening to Leah Rising, a tarot and creative intuition podcast. As of January 2021, this podcast and all of the information is archived. So feel free to listen to the episodes. The wisdom of the tarot is everlasting. But much of the information about um, booking a reading from people has changed in the last couple of years. So know that there isn't a tarot um, Instagram account or email address or way to get a hold of me for readings at this point. And of course, I will update that in the future if it changes.